You're listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to the podcast and connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org. May you be blessed by the hearing and reading of Scripture and the meditation on the Word. Have a good day. Please pray with me. Holy God, we come. Here we are this morning in your presence. God, I just pray, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today's scripture comes from the book of 1 Corinthians. We're moving on down. Chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Hear these words. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice. But it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trust in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there is a Peanuts cartoon, you may have seen it, that shows Lucy standing with her arms folded and a stern expression on her face. And Charlie Brown pleads, Lucy, Lucy, you must be loving. This world needs love. You have to let yourself love to make the world a better place. Lucy angrily whirls around and knocks him down, and she screams, Look, blockhead, the world I love, it's the people I can't stand. I'm sure, I'm sure we all feel that way from time to time. And some of us feel that way most of the time. Come to think of it, I'll bet some of us feel that way right now sitting inside this building. Loving the world in general isn't that difficult. Loving the people around us can be a major, major challenge. Just this past week, my husband and I were driving to Tulsa for a doctor's appointment, and there was this car in front of us that was way below the speed limit, driving way below the speed limit. And we were needing to get to the appointment, and so he went to pass him. And as he passed the car, the car swerved over into our lane. And my husband swerved, not hit him, and I just closed my eyes really quick because I couldn't bear to see what was about to happen because it was all on my side. And so he gets on over, I said, wow. I said, oh my gosh. I said, that was scary. I look back and the driver's driving on and my husband continued to drive on. But as he looked at, as he he said, you know, see, this is why I don't like driving this car. And I said, why? What does that have to do with anything that just happened? And he said, Because you have that dadgum stick, that tag on the front that says, God loves you and so do I. And I want to tell you, I don't love that guy. That guy was a jerk. I laughed and I said, 
be prepared, honey. That's going great in my sermon this week. So I'll admit, there are some people who are hard to love, who are hard to even talk to. And that's why we need to study the inspired words of 1 Corinthians 13. We need to know what love is and what it looks like in the down and dirty of life. There is a sense in which love is difficult to define, but easy to describe. And therefore, it needs to be practiced. This week I looked up love in the dictionary and found 18 definitions of love. I read them all and didn't feel a bit more loving after I'd read them. Perhaps the truth is closer to this. You'll know it when you see it. Love is better seen than described. That leads me to the familiar observation that love is not primarily a feeling, but an action. A feeling, it's not a feeling, but an action. We live in an age that honors personal feelings above almost everything. We do what we want, when we want, because we feel like it, and we don't. And if we don't feel like it, we don't do it. But as I study 1 Corinthians 13, I am struck by the complete absence of any stress on personal feelings. The kind of love Paul is talking about here is seen and experienced and demonstrated. Well, it may start in a feeling of compassion or pity. It never, ever ends there. Last week, we looked at the first three verses of the Holy Scripture. There we discovered that love is indispensable. It is more important than eloquent communication, spiritual gifts, or personal sacrifice. If we have all the attractive essentials of true religion but don't have love, we don't have anything at all. Now, the Apostle Paul begins to describe what love looks like in verses 4 through 7. It contains 15 short phrases that, like a prism held up in the sun, show us the full spectrum of love. Many people think this is the most beautiful and complete statement of love ever written. As we look at these verses, I warn you to buckle up tight, because if you take these verses seriously, you're sure to be challenged convicted and prodded into a new way of living and a new way of loving. It's fascinating that in verses 4 through 6 that there are three positive and eight are negative. Telling us what love is not. Telling us what love is not is to say that. Let me tell you what it isn't so you can make no mistake about it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy it does not boast. It is not proud. Love is patient. The Greek word literally means long-minded. Love is slow to give in to resentment, despair, or anger. The particular word Paul uses means to have patience with difficult pa people rather than difficult circumstances or situations. It describes the person who has been wrong who has it within his power to get even, but chooses to use that power. I'm going to use, I'm going to repeat that. It describes the person who has been wronged, who has it within his power to get even, but chooses not to use power. 
during the early days of the Civil War, Edwin Stanton was, an out, was outspoken in his critics and his critiques of Abraham Lincoln. He held Lincoln in utter contempt. He called him a gorilla. He called him a cunning clown, said he was not smart at all, and he was worthless. Although he knew about the slanders, Lincoln never retaliated. And when the time came to choose someone to oversee the war effort, Lincoln chose Stanton. When asked why, he replied, because he is the best man for the job. When the president was assassinated in April of 1865, Stanton stood weeping over Lincoln's body and declared, There lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. Patient love won in the end. Patient love won in the end. Love is kind. This word means something like sweet usefulness. Love is quick to help others and eager to reach out to those in need. Mark Twain called kindness a language that the deaf can hear and the blind can read. He was absolutely right. Everyone can understand the language of love. It is truly the universal language, comprehended by people from every nation, by the rich and the poor by the old and the young, by male and female. Kindness is a universal language, for it does not speak to the intellect, but directly to the heart. Love does not envy. This is the sin of those who think others have too much, and they have to, too little by contrast. Love is generous. It does not begrudge others their gifts. How do you respond to the good fortune of others? If they do better than you, if they prosper when you don't, if their family seems happy while ours is torn apart, how will you react? If they achieve what you cannot, if they gain what you lack, if they win where you lose, then the truth will come out. Can you lose gracefully? Can you walk away from the contest without bitterness and anger? Now, some of my college students that are sitting here today would say that Shanna doesn't lose gracefully. I just think I win boastfully. If you've ever played Uno with me or Skip Bow, you will know what I'm talking about. Others, just let it slide. If you live long enough, you'll probably find someone who does what you do better than you. You'll meet people with your talents and your gifts, only much more of them. You'll find people who surpass you in every way. What will you do then? This is the one test of love. And if you live long enough, you are certain to encounter people who are less talented and less gifted than you in every way, yet they seem to catch all the breaks and end up at way ahead of you in the great game of life. How will you respond then? This is even a stronger test of practicing your love. Love does not boast. It does not brag. It's not pompous or concealed, conceited. It has no, no exalted opinion of itself. It is not eager to gain the applause of others. 
The Greek word translated boast means something like windbag. I didn't know that. It has within it the ideas of continually talk about himself in order to impress others. Sometimes we would be better off saying nothing at all. Once upon a time, a turtle spent the winter in Florida. But he knew he could never walk that far. He convinced a couple of geese to help him. The flight went fine. It was going great. Because you see, to help him, he, they held out a rope and they flew on each side of the end of the rope uh, flying and then the, the turtle took his vice jaws and held the middle. And they were smooth sailing. It was a great idea until someone down below said, who in the world thought of that? Unable to resist the chance to take credit, the turtle opened his mouth to shout, I did. You know, sometimes it's a good idea just to keep your mouth shut. Love is not proud. Love does not have an inflated opinion of itself and is not filled with hot air. As I think about this truly great people I have known, they have all, on one level at least, seemed rather ordinary. They dressed and acted like real people. When someone has to dress or act or talk, like they are somebody special, it's because they're trying to convince themselves with those who are truly great. What you see is what you get. That's what's important, which is how we ought to be with all of us. Several years ago, on a mission trip to Colorado, Barbie and myself and three other sponsors went and stayed in a, teen, a homeless teen's shelter. And we stayed for six nights. And the first morning we woke up, there was a man standing outside the gate. You could tell he didn't have a place to stay. Hair disheveled, beard way down here, clothes dirty. And he was just walking, pacing back and forth outside the gate. And Barbie and I were up early, and Barbie had looked out and said, what do you think he wants? Does he want in? I said, well, yeah, but I said, the, the, the manager will be here soon. I said, we need to wait. And she said, Okay. So I went about my business of getting the students up and getting the youth up and fixing breakfast and, and scheduling the day and planning the day. And sure enough, the manager came and the man came in. His name was Cliff. And he came in and, and Barbie talked to him. Now, back then, before our health concerns, Barbie and I were avid, avid Diet Dr. Pepper and Diet Coke drinkers. I drank Diet Coke, Barbie drank Diet Dr. Pepper, and every trip we would take our case with us and have it in the refrigerator and have it there for us. And Cliff really liked Diet Dr. Pepper and Diet Coke. And one night, the second night or third night, I said, Barbie, there is a lot of our pop gone. I said, do you think those kids are drinking it? And she said, no. She said, Cliff really likes it. And I said, golly, I said, we're going to have to go buy more. And she said, okay. She said, stop and get some more. So the last day before we head out, the night before, we head out to get ready and pack and everything. Barbie said, I got to go to the store and get a few things and I'll be back. And she brought, she brought back two cases of Diet Coke and two cases of Diet Dr. Pepper. And I said, we don't have room for all that. She says, no, this is for Cliff. 
And the next morning, Cliff was there to tell us goodbye. And I look over the side, and Barbie's held his hands, and Barbie's praying with him as the pop is sitting at his feet, doing her own ministry and her own kindness of love. So we got in the car. I looked over, and I said, do we have any Diet Dr. Pepper or Diet Coke? And she said, no, we don't, but we'll stop at the next door. Kindness of love. Love is not rude. This covers a lot of territory. On one level, it means that love is not ill-mannered. It does, not, it does nothing of which it will be ashamed later. Love is true courtesy. It is polite, considerate, and careful for the needs and feelings of others. Love is quick to make others feel at ease. Love has good manners. One writer sums it up by saying that courtesy is love in little things. That seems to say it all as a practical application. Remember that you don't have to say everything you were thinking. You know, you've heard it said, I've just got to say this. Mm, no, you really don't. Love is not self-seeking. It takes no thought for itself, does not demand its own way, and is, no, is not stubborn about things that don't matter. Love never says, my way or the highway. Love says, let's do it Jesus' way. Love serves and doesn't worry about who gets the credit. Love is not easily angered. It is not easily provoked, is not quick-tempered, does not blow its top, and is not irritable. By contrast, love is good-natured, easygoing, and quick to forgive. I think most of us tend to look on this as a minor problem, as if being quick-tempered is merely a matter of temperament, personality, or family background. We excuse it by saying, that's just the way I am. Well, that may be the way you are, but it's not the way you're supposed to be. I know that some people excuse their bad temper by saying, sure, I lose my temper a lot, but it's all over in a few minutes. You can deal with it. Well, so is a nuclear bomb. It's over in a few minutes. A great, I, great deal of damage can be done in a very short time. Even small temper bombs can leave behind a lot of hurt, especially when those explode on a regular, regular basis. Love keeps no record of wrongs suffered. It does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not impute evil, does not brood over injury suffered. It is not suspicious of others. It's not cynical about good deeds done by others and is not quick to remember a personal offense done by others. There was this man I read about that actually kept a written list of all the rotten things people had done to him. He must have been one of the miser most miserable people in the world. Many people keep mental lists of the slights they have suffered. They never get over what happened in the past. They dwell on it, they live in it, they ferment in it, and as a result, they let the past shape their present and their future. But true love has a bad memory of wrongdoings to it. Love is quick to hit the delete key. Love is always ready to say, I'm putting that in the past, and I'm not going to bring it up again. Love does not delight in evil, 
It takes no pleasure in wrongdoing. It's not glad about injustice and is not happy when evil triumphs. And it takes no joy in hearing evil openly discussed. Love is never glad to hear bad news about another person. Love never says, well, they finally got what they deserved. I know I've been guilty of that. This definitely goes against the grain of life. We all know that bad news sells, and the good news goes way back on page 75. That's why they put those supermarket tabloids, you know, right by the counter. We all want to hear the latest juicy gossip about our favorite celebrity. Love rejoices with the truth. This is the flip side of the, check out, of the, of the previous phrase. Love takes joy in what is true and good and right and holy and pure. I know this is a lot to take in. A lot is expected in order to love. I know it. I do it better some days than others, I'll admit. George Warren told me last week, you kind of was stepping on my toes. And I thought, man, I step on my own too when I'm writing this. I think it helps to replace love with Jesus in this passage. Listen to this. Jesus is patient. Jesus does not envy. Jesus thinks no evil. Jesus is not quick-tempered. Jesus does not rejoice in what is evil. If we want love, we need more of Jesus in our lives. Verse 7 reads, Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. So to sum this up for you, practicing love, you put up with all things. Practicing love, you trust in all things. Practicing love, you hope for all things. Practicing love, you endure all things. My prayer this week, my beloved church family, is that God helps us to practice love and live in love this week. Amen. Thank you for listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's sermon podcast. We hope you have a good week, and we ask that you connect with us online at tahlequahumc.org. Thank you, and have a good day.